time for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. More talking truth about America. And good evening. Welcome back. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show. My Right View Roundtable is here. I have Mari Sullivan and Jenny McGarry. And even when we're not on air, we're talking politics and disagreeing. Or mostly agreeing, but sometimes disagreeing. So I always have my Right View Roundtable question, top of the second hour. And as we have been discussing, I think everyone knows that the uh, Republicans were unable to even bring to the floor of the House a vote on their uh, repeal, what they were calling the Obamacare repeal, the American Health Care Act. Uh, Speaker Paul Ryan pulled the bill because he didn't have the votes. And so and we talked a lot in the first hour about what was so wrong with the bill. And, and I urge all of you to go to Conservative Review, read the writings by Daniel Horowitz, go to my website, AmericanCanWeTalk.org, read my piece on it. Um, it's important to understand why this wasn't just a policy partisan. This wasn't partisan bickering. This is substance about America and substance about healthcare system. Anyway, the question is, there's a lot of talk about whether Paul Ryan as speaker, and you know, he is now, this is his first big deal that um, Donald Trump was trying to get through. And really, this is a kind of a black mark on Donald Trump's beginning of his presidency. So the question is, is uh, Speaker Ryan just should, uh, as is being rumored is occurring, should uh, President Trump try to move Speaker Ryan along and get get try to get something new in there? Or uh, how do we go forward as Republicans? Does Speaker Ryan need to go is the question. And one of you who wants to No, go I don't think he should go. Uh, this bill uh, failed and lots of bills fail. And so we need to get our act together and make sure that we get Obamacare replaced and repealed. And the guy to do it is Trump. He needs to get out there. He said that he's going to go on to other business, but we know that Obamacare is not sustainable. And so he needs to get out there and promote making America health care great again. And he can do it. The Trump voters are very loyal. There was a piece today in Reuters that even though people are disappointed that the repeal didn't go through, they don't blame Trump. And here's what we need. We need not just health insurance, but health care. And we don't have that under Obamacare. That's what the American people don't know. Now, we know it. Uh, the people that voted for Trump know that there's no health care there. Let's look. Wait, Ob- what do you mean there's no health care? Obamacare. There? It's unaffordable. Uh, the deductibles are so high people can't so even use their insurance. people don't take access to care because They don't take access okay. to their the care. They may not even buy it because it's so expensive. And let's look at what's happened to the Medicaid expansion under Obamacare. It has skyrocketed. There's plenty of people on it, poor people, but they can't get doctors because the doctors are paid so poorly there's not enough there. And what's going to happen next? Medicare. Under Medicare with the Independent Panel Advisory Board, once Medicare gets too expensive for government, it's going to be rationed health care. And this is the part that the Democrats never talk about. They want single payer. We're taking over. You won't have choice and you will have rationed health care. That's what Trump needs to explain to the American people. You were lied to by the Democrats. They want to control your health care system, and they want to ration your health care. That's not what we want. And Obamacare is destroying our economy, one-sixth of our economy. So we've got to see Obamacare in the rearview mirror. But you think Paul Ryan— You think Speaker Paul Ryan can still do this in the House? He can handle getting something done in the House? I think these guys need to get together, Ryan, Pence, uh, Dr. Price, Trump, and get out there and tell the American people that the Obamacare ship 
is heading you towards socialized medicine, and you won't like it. And once they're in control of your socialized medicine, they're in control of but, you. But, Mari, I know, Jane, you know, that's true. But, Mari, all that just goes to convincing people that need to repeal Obamacare, which I agree with, of course. But, but I don't think— get to, But it doesn't get you with what? It's the get, fear factor. The but, Democrats but what, sit there and say what? nobody's going to have insurance. Wait, 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 wait. But, okay, we'll go. But the question is going to be with what? Everyone agrees we have to get rid of Obamacare, everyone on the conservative side. But anyway, so, but we'll come back to that. Jenny, what do you think? Paul Ryan got to go? Paul Ryan, it, 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 I'm torn. I, I really am. First of all, I think that, that, Obama, that Obamacare is, is horrible. Absolutely agree. It's awful. And I think that Ryan proved himself to be ineffective and incredibly weak and unable to whip up the votes. He doesn't have what it takes. But it's the call for Congress to let him know that he needs to go. And it's going to be kind of like an abusive relationship. They have to get to a point where the unknown is much more desirable than the known. And and at that point, you know, then we'll see then we'll see a change there, but I definitely think that this was in the right direction. I personally feel that Trump just gave gave Ryan the ball and said, "Okay, I want this repeal. Let's see what you can do with this." And I think Ryan failed miserably. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan really did. You know, it's an interesting thing. I think one of the reasons that I think I, I would be, I think we'd be better off if Speaker Ryan would move along and not be Speaker anymore is, is, is two things. One is when he set out to make this bill, and I agree with you, Jenny, that he, that Trump just basically said, look, Paul Ryan, we need to get this done. It's a big promise by GOP to get it done. And Paul Ryan couldn't do it. But two things I would say. One is that as he set out to do this, he did consult with some doctors who are members of Congress and who are, you know, serious, good people. GOP, he did not include in any way until it was way too late the, the Freedom Caucus, the conservatives in Congress. And I think that just shows what Paul Ryan does not grasp is, I say, what time it is in America. He doesn't understand the depth of the fervor against government-controlled health care, and therefore he is not going to come up with a bill that does what the people want. So I would love to see him ask that. I know Trump can't do it. He maybe could put a little bit of pressure on, do, on doing it, though, because I think new leadership is needed and a firmer stronger direction toward full repeal and when we come back we can go back after this and find out what anymore you want to say but we're at up to a break so do come back right after our break we'll talk about this uh health of course and then i definitely want to hit on what happened in rockville amazing don't go away could you lose your career because of your faith could your pastor be sued because of his sermons Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. I want to tell you why I do this radio show, America Can We Talk?, 
in my life have been a full-time attorney, a wife, and a stay-at-home mom, a volunteer at our kids' schools and sports teams, and a political activist. I've been active in many political campaigns, organizations, and events, from the grassroots level to elected leadership roles, and from volunteer to paid consultant. One theme that runs through my life since my days of majoring in political science in college has been a continually growing admiration for the idea of America. And that gets me to why I do this show. America is the most important political idea in the world. Everything good and great about America is the result of these ideas of America. Things like the rule of law, limited power in the federal government, separation of powers, protection of individual rights of each citizen. So on my show, we talk about the events and stories of the day, always tied back to preserving the ideas of America. The National Center for Policy Analysis brings together the best and brightest minds to tackle the country's most difficult public policy problems in health care, taxes, retirement, education, energy, and now national security. The NCPA works to develop and promote private free market alternatives to government regulation and control, solving problems by relying on the strength of competition in the private sector. As America's think tank, the NCPA wants to make sure you have access to simple, clear solutions to the issues that matter to you. Come get to know the NCPA at one of their events and join the conversation by following them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. To get policy solutions delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the NCPA free email newsletter or subscribe to one of their policy blogs. To get involved with America's Think Tank, go online today to ncpa.org. The NCPA would love your support and you'll love being part of the solutions to America's challenges. So go to ncpa.org. That's ncpa.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Welcome back. Okay, we're laughing and talking politics on the break, too. This is Debbie Georgiatis, America Kimmy Chalk. Thank you for listening. I have my Right View Roundtable Sunday evening every second hour and part of the first hour, too. I have Mari Sullivan and Jenny McGarry here. So we were going to turn and talk about a new topic in just a moment, talk about what happened in Rockville, Maryland. But before that, on health care, what we were talking about before the break was this idea that, you know, even okay, we can all. I mean, Trump, in my view, won. And in fact, Republicans won the majority in the U.S. House in 2010. They won the U.S. Senate in 2014. They won the 26th presidential election cycle. If you had to pick one issue, to me, it was Obamacare. It was 
It was a, I mean, there's fear about uh, immigration policy and refugees and unsecure borders and taxes and jobs leaving, all sorts of reasons. But Obamacare symbolized the decline of the culture of liberty in America. It symbolized the notion that we're just going to concede that the government controls everything. People stood up. They rose up. And it was an economic thing, too. People were paying too much, too high prices for their policies, forced to buy policies that had coverage you didn't want. The prices of that they did have to pay, their deductibles were too high. Just everything was wrong economically. So there's a there's a just a surge to repeal Obamacare. But the question really for the Republicans and what they stumbled on last week is with what? And one other little feature I want to add to this is this discussion um, is, well, two things, I guess. One is there is a notion that uh, if I find an insurance company, you know, XYZ in Texas, and they want to sell me a policy, and they describe the premiums and the coverage, and I want to buy that policy, I think it's reasonable, I should be able to buy it with no federal statute or regulation having any interference whatsoever. That's a basic free market idea. And that should be, and that's actually, Ted Cruz has proposed a bill, I'm pretty sure, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz from Texas has proposed a bill saying essentially that the freedom to write policies, freedom to purchase policies, and, and that's just a brilliant idea by itself. The second thing is, the wrong assumption is that, and the Republicans fell into it too, well, as the Democrats saying, you know, you have to let the government be in charge and take charge of this thing because we'll drive prices down which instead of the notion that more competition, more insurers with freedom to write more policies, that's what will drive prices down because then you will shop for insurance policies just like you do shop for a new car, a, a house, a life insurance policy. You look at prices. And this, I, I don't think Mari was making the point, do we message well? Does our side get that message out? This notion that we have to inspire people, we want you to have more choices. And, and the free market is what will drive those prices down. Paul Ryan said that at the same time he proposed a bill that, that would not in any way have implemented that. And we want you to know that the Democrats lied to you through their teeth. They knew you weren't going to be able to keep your insurance. They knew you weren't going to be able to keep your doctor. They knew they wouldn't have premium costs come down. They don't care. They want to grab the health care and run it, and they want to control one-sixth of the economy. That will be terrible for our nation. It will bankrupt our country. It will also eliminate good health care for our citizens. We want free market out there so that we don't get rationed health care because rationed health care is really bad. It's a nightmare on Elm Street, and you just have to read about what happens in England and Canada to people that just don't get knee replacements because there's not enough money. Because without free markets, it is a cap system. Not everybody's going to get the health care that they need. And that doesn't just mean granny. It means your children and grandchildren. Amen to that. Anything to add in health care, Jenny, or your... I'm good. <laughs> okay. I'm good well, for you know the what? moment. <laughs> this, we, we have talked about this issue many times in the show, and we will again, because this is, I tell you folks, it's a freedom issue. It's bigger than just the cost of your premium. It's a whole notion of living in a country where you're actually committed to freedom as our founders uh, gave, you know, created for us. Okay. I'm going to turn on talk what happened in Maryland, and I guess most of our listeners know, but the short story was a 14-year-old girl in Maryland in public, a public high school, Rockville, Maryland. We used to live really near Rockville, actually, when we lived in Maryland. Um, and uh, she was raped, or she claimed, and she's alleged, was raped during the school day at 9 o'clock in the morning by two uh, young men. 
they were ages 17 and 18. Um, and so they're, they were in ninth grade. Okay, calculate that. She's in, she's in ninth grade. She's 14. Uh, these boys are 17 and 18, both illegal aliens. And so she reported right away. It's horrific. I mean, don't go read the police report unless you want to just, you know, lose your appetite. But it was a, it was a violent thing. So she went and reported it right away. And, and now the two issues that spring from it, um, one is that the— um, state of Maryland almost immediately moved toward uh, a legislation on becoming a sanctuary state. Okay, this happens in Maryland. And then number two is the news failure to focus on this case, externally to the, if you all remember when the uh, case involving the Duke lacrosse players was big news, or the UVA case was turned out mm-hmm. to be, in both cases, could not be fake stories, lies. But the media was hysterical because the bad guys were white frat boys. And that case, so I, I just found, I find so many aspects of this story really troubling. But I don't know, do you, actually, I had a question, though, maybe what do you guys think? So the media, I heard one media person say, well, geez, what is the point of focusing on whether they were illegals or not? What difference does that make? It was a bad thing. Yeah, they should be in trouble. But what difference does it make if they were illegal? Huge difference. We, can, we could be avoiding bringing these people into our country. And, I mean, this this is not something that is acceptable. First of all, having a 17- and 18-year-old in the ninth grade is something to be looked at right then and there. But then secondly, you have the issue of somebody who is not supposed to be in our country, who has been put in, given access to our education system, and chooses to do something like this. This is somebody who, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm just so appalled by it and furious that mainstream media refused to cover this because it was not up to their delicate taste. That poor 14-year-old girl, that poor child, her life is is pretty much... It's changed. Yeah, it's in tatters. Yeah. And and all they care about is the fact that, well, we don't want to focus on the fact that one of the alleged perpetrators was an illegal alien and shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah. You know, this whole, it doesn't fit that. I get tired of the the term media narrative. I wish I could think of a synonym for that. But, you know, the media narrative about, you know, illegal aliens are being unfairly criticized and we, and they pretty much, people in the American left just want amnesty anyway. They want to have a, they want to just forget about your national, your uh, citizenship status or lack thereof. So this idea of focusing on them being illegal doesn't fit their narrative and, and, and they don't want illegal aliens to be a problem. And this is why Trump has lower, uh, loyal, loyal, loyal voters, not lower voters, loyal, (laughs) loyal, Uh, because he's the first one that said, look, we're going to put Americans first. We are a caring, loving nation and legal immigration is fine. But there are people, angel families all over this nation that have lost family members to just this type of crime where a 14 year old girl is in school with an 18 year old illegal immigrant scheduled for deportation. And do you know why he's in the ninth grade? Because they don't have his transcript. So they just put him in the ninth grade. It's insanity. It's time for our laws to be enforced. And this is why Trump is president of the United States. And I'm, I, I, I cannot even believe that anybody that looks at this and says this is wrong is being considered racist. Oh, yeah. This is the whole thing, too. If you mention the illegal status, the illegal alien status of the alleged perpetrator, then you're being racist. And so, I, I you know, it's funny because I, I know I made the allusion earlier to the uh, it was the um, Duke lacrosse players and then it was the UVA fraternity brothers. 
you know, there is just such an unspoken, sinister anger in the in the American left toward was a period allegedly, you know, white supremacy or, or white, you know, whites having more privilege, having more money. And so any chance to make them look bad, they just they, they go nuts about the story, unconcerned with whether the facts are what the facts are. And they turn out to be wrong in, in those two cases and other cases as well. But I really just think there's a, you know, there's a notion about, you know, kind of the culture of our country that if you, because in fact, the culture of our country, I thought about when I saw the lawyer for one of them, the old 18 year old, the lawyers claiming their defense is going to be consent. Oh my gosh. A 14 year old girl. And the feminists will say nothing because here's the deal. Uh, This is typical leftist hypocrisy. They don't have ideas. They want open borders. So we're not going to criticize anybody in this country that hasn't followed our laws because they want voters. Open borders means voters for the Democrats, and that's what they want. So here's their claim. Everybody that criticizes anybody that's an illegal immigrant is a racist. They're just telling you, be quiet. Shut up. Don't say anything. Go along with us. Open borders are just fine. Our laws do not have to be enforced. And angel families that have lost loved ones, that's too bad. That's part of the price you pay for us getting more voters. And that sounds cynical and terrible, but that's exactly where they're coming from. It absolutely is. Folks, you know, this is a it's a tough story here. Um, you know, I, I our hearts, our prayers go to this young girl and her family and her ability to recover and, and get back on track, hopefully in life and in, in a new path. But I just I can't urge you strongly enough to not buy into the media narrative that if you mention the illegal status of these alleged rapists, that you're somehow a racist because it does matter. These young men didn't have to be there. They shouldn't have been here. And this is a consequence directly of our failure, our failed immigration policy, our failed border security. This is Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk. We come back. I want to talk about what happened in London. Don't go away. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, Go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, 
They offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are tens of thousands of Heritage members and supporters in North Texas alone. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates on the fight for America from Heritage President Jim DeMint, plus exclusive invitations to conservative events right here in Dallas or wherever you are in America. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. And welcome back. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and this is America Can We Talk, my Right View Roundtable. Fun every time, every week. I'm so glad to have him here. I have Jenny McGarry and Mari Sullivan. Okay, so we are going to turn and talk about what happened in London in just a moment, in just a moment. But back to the case in Rockville, Maryland. You know, I think it's really important to step back from just that little case and recognize the consequences to the American left when stories come out like this. Because the American left, you know, goal is essentially, as Mari was alluding to before the break, uh, is essentially to, is amnesty, is to somehow make everyone who's entered the country illegally a citizen, is to have very weak borders, is ultimately to bring in more what the Democrats will soon be, will assume, be long-term Democrat voters. And so any black eye that illegal aliens take in the news hurts their cause. And so this opposition, this kind of don't talk about that, don't talk about where they're from. I mean, it's a terrible thing. And yes, they should be prosecuted, but don't mention they're illegals. This is not because out of tender concern for illegals. This is raw 
political calculation that Democrats want more low-information, uneducated voters to come into this country with the expectation that they are to be cared for by the government because these are just Democrat voters being groomed. That's how the Democrats see this. And so the idea that they're just you know completely sensitive and concerned about the feelings of others is not what's going on. Their concern is it, it disrupts their agenda. Anything else on the Maryland case? You too, Jenny? Or no? Okay. All right. I'm going to turn and talk about London. Speaking of another kind of similar pattern, it's funny because when um, Matt Rinaldi, State Rep Matt Rinaldi was here earlier and drawing parallels between Austin and Washington and how the leadership or the kind of establishment moderate Sometimes, even though the Republican kind of more Democrat, they don't really they, they don't get on the job. And then you have the conservatives up there trying to say no, fighting in Washington for a real repeal and fighting in Austin for a strong sanctuary bill. There's a parallel between this story in London and the Maryland thing, which is in both cases, the media tries to hide the facts from the people. Now, I'm going to ask if I were speaking in person, I'd say raise your hand, but as you heard the story come out about somebody, you know, drove along and they ran over people and they jumped out and killed a police officer and, and by stabbing, you know, did any of you think, this is what we all say, our house, because my family is, you know, long, long time Norwegian Lutherans, probably one of those crazy Norwegian Lutheran farmers. I know, okay. I know. Everybody knows, knew as soon as they heard the story that the perpetrator was going to be a Muslim. They just did. But the media went out of their way for as long as they could to withhold the identity of the perpetrator. And uh, we now know that the perpetrator indeed was not a Norwegian Lutheran. He was, in fact, Khalid Massoud, age 52. And I want to talk about this case. I want to let you guys, because I'm ready to rip on this story. But in London, I'm very troubled by the media trying to hide his identity and then about several, there are several different aspects of this. I'm just going to hit on the first one, then you guys can chime in. I think it's really consequential how old this guy was. 52. This is, and he grew up with a, a, a Caucasian British name. He grew up, he did not grow up Muslim. Um, he grew up as Adrian Elms. That's a nice name, Adrian mm-hmm. Elms. Yes. But you know, started reading Islam online, started understanding more about Islam. So this is it really why I say the age matters is the excuse quite often with respect to young terrorists who are Muslim, young Muslim terrorists is, well, you know, it's because they are young, they're ignorant, they were poor, they don't have the opportunities or something, something that just, but this is a guy old enough to have lived in England in a free country, gone through schooling in England, and over the years getting radicalized to the point that he would kill perfect strangers for no reason. And the reason I raise that is this. The problem is not all Muslims, but the problem is Islam. It's the core of Islam, what it teaches. He felt this was justified and, you know, when you read about these cases over and over and over in, in, in uh, France and in Belgium and, and, you know, Sweden and Denmark and, and Holland and just every place over in, in, in Europe, you recognize that there is a, I mean, it's, <laughs> to state the obvious, a very serious problem. What I tweeted out after the story in London is, why don't we revisit the question of how President Trump's refugee order, who should we want anyone up to rethink about that? Yeah. Because he's trying to say, let's be careful who we're bringing here. Anyway, and there are lots of aspects of the story. Debbie, guys- there's lots of aspects, and you've hit on some really good ones. And let's not forget that the day after that happened, there was a thwarted attempt for the same type of massacre in Antwerp 
Orly Airport in France. Guy was shot dead trying to grab somebody's police officer's rifle and shoot people in the airport. The Louvre, a couple, three weeks ago, crazy guy with a knife. He was shot dead. You know, here's what happened to Margaret Thatcher. In 1987, she was at a little convention, and at that time, the radical arm of the IRA uh, set a bomb and hoped to kill her. It didn't kill her. It killed numerous people in her party and injured people terribly, and they left a little note for Margaret. said, said, Margaret, you were lucky today. You have to be lucky every day. We only have to be lucky once. And that's what we're up against. We have got to face the fact that radical Islam terrorists are out to kill as many people as they can. And when they get nuclear weapons or chemical weapons, it's going to be worse. And we are up against it. We've got to take it very serious. Uh, we have a, a mayor in, in London. You know, when I, when I look at the mayor in London, um, he made a comment previously September uh, 2016 that basically when he was asked about uh, Islamic terrorism and and if he was ready for it and the mayor who incidentally is also a Muslim is Muslim yeah yes uh, he replied that's to be expected in big cities okay I'm sorry terrorism is to be expected in big cities merely because you're a big city Okay, this is, you know, it's funny, folks. These uh, are an odd thing to observe. When President Trump tried to raise, a, he did issue a refugee order. He's issued two of them. And essentially trying to say, let's put a halt to immigration to this country from people who may mean us harm. I think he made, the, his administration made a bit of a, mis- made a big mistake, actually. And not just, because when they were criticized, this is a anti-Muslim. This is, you know, discrimination. He said, no, this is just, you know, certain countries where there's a history of terrorism. And I think he would have been smarter to, to take it on directly and say, yeah, actually, we're not trying to ban all Muslims, but we are trying to prevent people from coming here who are who engage in radical jihadist, radical Islamic terrorism. And so we're not trying to ban all Muslims. We just can't don't have a way yet to figure out which ones are going to do these things. Until we figure that out, I want to protect America. He shouldn't have dodged the Muslim question. No, exactly. You're absolutely right. And and the thing is is that we have a city now and we have a country, not the United States, but in, um the UK where they didn't dodge that bullet and they opened their borders and they didn't like what occurred and they decided to change it. But even so, we have people there that are still trying to go down that path of terrorism that shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah. You know, on that point, I saw someone, I don't know, it was on social media, was making the point that, you know, we want in this world, I mean, you would like, I mean, we in Western civilization we want to be really respectful. We don't want to be, uh, we want to respect everyone, even if you think their religion is odd or it's not your thing or you don't understand it very well. We try very hard to be respectful and, and you know, love our neighbors and, and respect their right to think differently. But we, we are, have our heads in the sand if we continue to use the kind of language and logic that ignores the facts on the ground. And to that point, uh, and so what you really would like and what would be a great thing for Islam is if you were to have a, um, a 
spokesman, a, a you know, mosques are united together in, in the yes. UK, mosques around the world, imams around the world, standing up, denouncing and marching through the streets of um, of London saying we denounce this, but we don't. In fact, ISIS has already issued a statement. We, we take credit for this. And, you know, I raise all this to say that these are, you know, these are not just news stories. I mean, innocent people lost their lives. But UK has been struggling. Britain's been struggling with their policies. Theresa May, fabulous prime minister. But even the headline talking about the story and her reaction, the headline was, uh, in this was in The Sun, we won't waver in face of terrorism. Theresa May confirms Westminster attacker was British extremist. Okay. Uh. He wasn't an extremist, Norwegian Lutheran. He was not, he was not an extremist. He was he, he was an Islamic extremist and Islam the our unwillingness to say the teachings of Islam were the problem they are what caused him to do this not that every muslim does but the teachings of Islam and the Quran and the imams and the mosques and around and in the UK and throughout the world they are the reason that these kinds of things occur and we have to rise up as as citizens who want security and safety and begin to be more openly stating as we discuss these things what the problem is because you can't get to solution if you can't even point out islam was a problem okay the show's almost over only one last segment i'm sorry to report we come back i want to talk about gorsuch who is going to be confirmed as next supreme court justice just depends with how much trouble don't go away Our nation faces a choice, the path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility, whether informed the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. 
there's a lot of talk today among media, in academia, in our culture, about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son Mark Allen Lee had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. First, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I love, love, love doing this show. It's the fastest two hours of my week and the funnest two hours of my week. I also want to, before we get off, we're going to talk about the uh, nomination of Neil Gorsuch for the Supreme Court. He did a superb job testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee. But before we get to that, I do want to thank the sponsor of our show. This show, America Can We Talk, is sponsored by GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Thank you so much for making my happiest two hours every week possible. Appreciate that so very much. Okay, so back to uh, Neil Gorsuch. I want to just say uh, we have clips from Chuck Schumer um, the esteemed um, jurist, no, not real. Okay, Chuck Schumer, who is the Democrat, the Senate, uh, I don't know what his title is. He's a big shot in the Democrat Party in the Senate. And he's already announced that he is not going to support Gorsuch. But if we have a, a great, do we have these clips ready? Okay, so clip one first, if you could. You can bet if the shoe were on the other foot and a Democratic president was under investigation by the FBI, the Republicans would be howling at the moon about filling a Supreme Court seat in such circumstances. After all, they stopped the president who wasn't under investigation from filling a seat with nearly a year left in his presidency. It is unseemly to be moving forward so fast on confirming a Supreme Court justice with a lifetime appointment while this big gray cloud of an FBI investigation hangs (laughs) over the presidency. Okay, be quiet, Chuck. Okay, enough of you. All right. I just want to— He's desperate. 
Oh, he is. This Which is... investigation? <laughs> yeah. Is it of the, the uh, fake news or the Let's actual see, if Hillary was president, news. she'd probably already be in prison. Okay, you know what? If this is, I think we should be talking about the investigation that they should be doing and whether Obama was actually, uh, despite his denials, post Trump's election, using the uh, federal uh, federal um, ability to he spy said, on people yeah. to to surveil Trump's people. There's, you know, I could not fit that story in tonight. I promise next week, because so much has happened in that story I want to share with you. But I, I, anyway, there is much more likelihood there's a big story there about whether Obama is misusing natural national resources to try to pick up on surveillance on Trump people somehow. Anyway, this is, I mean, Schumer's laughable. This idea that because the Democrats have stewed up a big nothing burger about Russia being involved in this election, that that Trump should just sit back and not, I mean, do you guys even want to say anything? Oh, Um, my gosh. Schumer. (laughs) Just go. Just go. go. Well, I was just going to say, he is one of those guys that rushes to the camera. So even if he is blibber, blathering, blather like Joe Biden, he's got to get in front of the camera. Take it, Jenny. The biggest thing is what this tells you is no matter what Trump puts out there, they're going to fight it. They're going to they're going to block any agenda item, block any nomination, no matter how reasonable that nomination or suggestion or agenda item is. Right. As soon as that is like the best lesson for Trump to learn, the Democrats will never cooperate on anything. So just move forward without them. Okay, clip two by Chuck Schumer. I hate his voice, too, by the way. After careful deliberation, I have concluded that I cannot support Judge Neil Gorsuch's nomination to the Supreme Court. His nomination will have a cloture vote. He will have to earn 60 votes for confirmation. My vote will be no, and I urge my colleagues to do the same. Okay, to heard- my Republican friends who think that if Judge Gorsuch fails to reach 60 votes, we ought to change the rules, I say if this nominee cannot earn 60 votes, a bar met by each of President Obama's nominees and George Bush's last two nominees, the answer isn't to change the rules. It's to change the nominee. Okay, I'm sorry I, had, I forced you listeners to listen to that. I really am now that I think about it. On a serious note, I heard a great line somebody was saying in one of the interviews, on, um, which was, you know, if President Trump nominated Abraham Lincoln... For the Supreme Court, he wouldn't be good enough. There is, it means to get that lesson clear for everyone listening and for every senator, there is no morality in what the Democrats are saying. They're not standing on some ethic. They're not standing morality. This is obstructionism. It will go on for four years. And so the question becomes very quickly, because you heard Schumer was talking about, he doesn't think the Republicans ought to go for the nuclear option, which is very quickly, the Constitution actually says that you only have to get to get a a justice confirmed for the Supreme Court. You only need 51 votes in the Senate. But... Because the Democrats could filibuster, which is stand up and keep talking and talking or just threaten a filibuster, that in order to break a filibuster, bring a cloture vote, you have to have 60 votes. And Schumer is basically saying to the Republicans, look, you don't have 60 votes. And if we are going to filibuster him, he's done. He can't be your nominee. And so the question is whether the Republicans that's being called the nuclear option is just merely changing the rule as the Democrats did in November of 2013. They opened that. They opened the door. So the question is, do you think that is, is Gorsuch worth it? Either of you guys is Gorsuch worth it and they ought to go of nuclear of course of course he is and here's the deal it's really going to hurt 
the Dems because they 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 had Harry Reid nuke uh, uh, the, the the I think it was the the district court they wanted to pack the D.C. district court so they had the 51 rule uh, in place and just packed that court with all their Obama nominees and now they want to say well you can't use that option well Harry Reid used it and now we will use it too and that's just the way it is. I, I agree. I, I, and is Gorsuch work, worth it? Yes, I do. I, I really, I've listened to the hearings. He, he's just so well-spoken and, and just so intelligent and just such a constitutionalist and an originalist. I definitely think he's worth it. Yeah. You know, the other thing, the, uh, this, a little bit of detail on this, <clears throat> what the Democrats did, and this is so typical of left-wingers. Okay. So in November of 2013, the Democrats um, knew that they were going to have, starting in 2014, there was going to be uh, more Republicans uh, in the Senate. So here are the numbers. So the Democrats use, they did the nuclear option, which is essentially they removed the ability of Republicans to filibuster on nominations for justices for the district courts, the trial courts at the federal level, and the appellate courts at the federal level called the circuit courts. So all of those justices, every single one, the district and circuit courts and federal level, all have to be confirmed by the Senate. All of them have to be get that confirmation and could otherwise have been filibustered by the Republicans because the Democrats wanted to, f- to pack the courts, which they did succeed in doing in large part under President Obama. In the first year before the Senate um, changed the rule, they only got through 36 federal district and circuit court judges appointed by President Obama. After they changed that rule, they got 84, over twice as many in the next in the same time period the next year. So the nuclear option used by the Democrats allowed them to pack the federal district and appellate courts. But they left off the Supreme Court at that time and said, no, we're still going to keep the filibuster rule in place for the Supreme Court. I think the Republicans, I don't know if Mitch McConnell has the backbone. I pray to God he does. But I, what I really think is that the Republicans have to, they bet Trump won because Republicans voters and really, frankly, some Democrat voters who turned out for him, they want to see strength on the conservative side. They want to see these senators just say to Chuck Schumer and all the other Democrats who are obstructing, who will obstruct every single nominee that President Trump is forward. They need to see that force. And I, I, I just hope that they will just say, look, you're either going to let us have it. You were either going to get to the vote or if you filibuster, we're going to go to the nuclear option. They need to just get it out there because there will be at least one more justice very soon. Probably Anthony Kennedy's talking about retiring. Please. That'd be excellent if he did, because he's so unreliable as a conservative. Um, And then, uh, frankly, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I I don't wish on anyone, but she's very senior and she may not be around. We may have two more chances and we can't put up with this fuss from the Democrats every time. And the people who say, but what if they do it to us? We can't do that. They might do it to us someday. They already have. Here's a prayer that the the lefties are saying about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They're praying to God that her health continues. That's the only time they pray. Please, Ruth, stay healthy. The thing thing about Ginsburg, though, is I really wonder if at some point she's going to have to look at recusing herself from very, very important votes because of the stance she took during the election against Trump. Okay, what are the odds you think she'll do that? Seriously, do you think she would? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the public pressure would be like, too. And, and how much pressure she would receive. I think that I think that it could actually come to that, where wow. she would have to recuse herself because of the things that she said. Oh, I just, I honestly, I, I think, I, I mean, I don't mean this for all the really nice, everyday American Democrat voters who just vote Democrat because their grandmother did, but the Democrats in Washington, 
there is I think there they would she would not spend a moment considering whether to recuse herself because she's she's unaccountable. You can't fire her. You can't remove her. You can't do a darn thing. She may be mocked, but, you know, she'd be a hero to the left if she stayed in a case, especially if she were able to sway the case. I don't know. I would love to think she had that level of ethics, well, but I don't. I don't know if she has that level of ethics, but I do know that the American people remember what she did. Oh, yes. I remember. Oh, yeah. Okay, so back to what Schumer said, just before I forget this. You know, he was saying, and his little blather played a moment ago, um, he was saying that it was going to have to be the case that Gorsuch earned earned the 60 votes like he would have to earn as though Gorsuch could somehow he's already met with all the senators he's already sat down he's and the and the judiciary committee talked to them all this idea that he could somehow earn 60 votes is such a it's a lie and let me go back to the two justices that were put on the supreme court by president obama sotomayor was put on in um 2009 uh, there were 68 votes for her, 31 against. And so I had the numbers here. Sotomayor got, had nine GOP senators vote for her. She couldn't have gotten it without nine. G- so my point is the GOP plays nice. Yes. We, we try to play by the rules, but we expect others to obey the same rules. And they and throw they, them out the window. And they, window. And they throw them out the window. It's like guerrilla warfare. Harry <laughs> Reid never thought that we would ever have a majority in the Senate. That's why he had the Reid rule. Right. That, that's why he changed the rule. And actually, and, and just so also, Elena Kagan, the other justice appointed by President Obama to the Supreme Court, she was confirmed in 2010, in August of 2010. And at that time, the vote was her for her was only 63 to 37. Um, but they end up having five Republicans. Again, she couldn't have gotten the nomination without five Republicans. So the idea that Schumer is taking some moral high ground, you know, to me, Republicans try to be reasonable. They try to go along with the rules, and they try to say, "Look, this is the president. You know, he's made his nomination." And but the, I just I, maybe they have this, and I'm the only one who doesn't see it. But I'm concerned that there is not going to be. Uh, I, I want to see the backbone out of the Republicans needed. And there's 10 seconds to the end of the show. Thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk. Love, love, love talking to you. Come back every week. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America. America.